With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yes, sir. Back at it. Yet again, it's training camp. We made it. Football. Los Angeles Rams football. Did you know how to run it? It feels good, man. It feels it feels a little creepy that we had to wait this long. And it always it always feels longer every single year. But we made it. It's your boy yeah. 3K. Here with Mice. And what's up, Mice? What's up, man? What's up, Joe? What's going on? No car wrecks this week. <laughs> nah, none at all. <laughs> Luckily, we'll see yeah, how we go uh, this week. <laughs> take it week to week. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Good, good week for you. Good week for everybody involved. We made it to training camp. Football's back. Life feels right. I had one of my boys call me. I hadn't talked to him in like three months. He calls me. Hey, man, when are we hanging out? I was like, where, where you been? Oh, well, there wasn't no football. I didn't think we were going to – he didn't even care. He was like, no, man, we're not hanging out. There's not football. Yeah, that sounded like, sound like my friend. He just – he liked to call and just be like, what you doing? Nothing. It's 2 a.m. What you doing? Nothing. <laughs> That's how every conversation starts with a – I kid you not. <laughs> yeah, Dantes is definitely not a 2 a.m. friend. I love the man, but we ain't that, we ain't that early. And the, especially <laughs> at my age, I, I don't have any 2 a.m. friends except my child what? Uh, when she's getting up too early. Yeah, what's going on, man? We, we made it to training camp. We made it across the sea. 2017 free agency, NFL draft, Sean McVay. All the drama of the offseason is now – it's not offseason drama. It's preseason drama. It's all building towards 2017. I know. It's finally like – here you got football in the air for the first time in what feels like forever it's weird it's like when the season ends it's like the draft gets here so quick but after the draft it's like Mm -hmm. the biggest drag ever it's like everything hits hits the bricks (laughs) and it's about the same amount of time yeah and there's not a lot going on but they started doing the uh Best college football games of 2016 on ESPNU, and then College Football Daily started, and then, you know, you started getting NFL Network, getting to training camps. Obviously, the Rams opened up a little bit later than some other people's, and now we're in camp. Yeah, now everything's going down. So let's get it, let's get into it, man. What do we uh, What do we got on tap? Obviously, the biggest story. I guess it was twofold. It was the two defenders. Let's take uh, the best player in the NFL, Aaron Donald, not at camp. Yeah. And the piece I wrote that it was sending along the what are you feeling about Aaron Donald in the in the contract situation, the holdout? I mean, it's it's expected, you know. Like, I don't think anyone in their right mind is gonna disagree with him holding out. Like, it just doesn't make sense for him to practice. It really doesn't. I mean, you look at uh, go all goes back to the handling of the contracts. The way they handle contracts has just been, man. It's like the Rams are the have the worst everything every year. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like nothing gets better, you know. Uh, the way they handled the contract situation with other players, in my opinion, directly affects what's happening with Aaron Donald. You know, he sat back there and he watched, you know, he watched these other players like Tavon Austin get these contract extensions. And it's just like, all right, well, if they gave it to him, I know he's not my caliber. 
you know, then surely they, surely I'm getting one. And when they don't even approach him about it, you know, he has to, he has to threaten to hold out for just to even get their thoughts going. And then he does hold out. And it's still in the ball. Still in the, I mean, look, if Tom Brady held out tomorrow, how long do we think it's going to take before Robert Kraft is like, hey, get this contract done? It's going to happen. <laughs> you, you know, if, if, if Khalil Mack decided, hey, Derek Carter got his money, Gabe Jackson got his money, I'm going to hold out. How long do we really think it's going to take before the Raiders say, okay, let's pay this man? You know, and that's, that's kind of the, 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 the issue here is you got one of the best players to play the game of football at the highest level in at least the last 25 years, <laughs> you know, one of the best you're going to see do it regardless of position. Aaron Donald is a top five player, and you're risking pissing him off to the point that he leaves. That's just, that's just silly. Like, I agree with him. I think he should hold out. And be perfectly honest, if the Rams, come, you know, don't come correct, hey, screw it, dude. <laughs> go go uh, just do your thing, play out these next two years, hit the open market. Put the pressure on them, you know, like you've earned it. I feel like you got to pay the player when they earn it. I know there's going to be some fans that don't like that, but, hey, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> and it's a, like it's, it a grown, it's a grown-ass business. And the, the, the thing yeah. that's – the weird thing to me is you're right. The right word is risk. It's not, it's not that the Rams are saying the wrong thing. They held that press conference, you know, the first yeah. night when everybody – when on Friday when the veterans reported he didn't show up and they made sure to say the right thing so as not to upset him. Um you know, they haven't necessarily avoided negotiations. It's it's the fact that there's a risk of losing the best player in the NFL, and that risk level is greater than zero. And I, I just don't understand why this is the hill to die on. I, I totally understand the idea of, you know, getting max value for a guy. And and you put that into your yeah, negotiation. Absolutely. And I understand the idea of wanting to re-sign. So, and then, you know, you made a value judgment with Janoris Jenkins and Trumaine Johnson. I get that. I, I don't get making a value judgment here. I, I don't I don't get the idea why this is where you want to try to extract the most, you know, from a business sense from making sure you get maximum value. This this is the guy where you just put it all on the table, right? The thing is, you've already got him under control for rocks and piss At for the next two, two years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you got him under control for the next two years for so ridiculously cheap. You can you can put together a contract with a fat signing bonus, which really which doesn't even affect your salary cap. <laughs> you know, you right. can put him under contract for a fat salary bonus to make him happy for the next two years. But the contract itself will actually begin after these two years. At which point, the Rams are on pace to have a lot of cap space, so it's not like they wouldn't even be able to afford it. You know, so. There's no reason for this holdup, and I don't really, I don't really like the excuse of, oh well, the numbers, you know, and all this other stuff. Yeah, I get it. He, he's not a regular contract. He's not a, a Tavon Austin forty-two million dollar contract. Aaron Donald is going to get one hundred and twenty million dollars, point blank yeah, period. <laughs> and he's young enough that he's going to earn every cent of that, <laughs> you know. But the, the 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 issue about it is, you could, there's no one really, you know, on a contract past the next three years who's taken up such a chunk that you can't get this done. You that know, not like you can, yeah. exactly. You can definitely do it if you wanted to do it. And it's just, they, I don't think they want to cough it up. You know, the Rams are big on overpaying players, but they don't overpay <sighs> the right players. They overpay players that's what they, who should be making that's 30 That's what I was going to say. I, I get the idea million. you don't want to overpay I get the idea you don't want to overpay, but this ain't the time for that, man. Not, not yeah, a year exactly. after you extend Tavon Austin. Not when it's Aaron Donald. Like, if there's a player yeah. you're going to overpay, it's him. <laughs> you, you know, if there's a player you're going to overpay, it's probably him. <laughs> like, I, it's, got, look, let's look, at it, let's look at it this way. If Sam Bradford can come into the NFL it. and never play it down and get – $50 million guaranteed. I was going to say, you said Sam Bradford. I was going to say Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon <laughs> has played Bradford it down and still got paid. And Sam Bradford got paid more than anybody. <laughs> and he had, he had never even played a down mm. yet. If he can do that, how the hell can you not give this man what's right, what he's rightfully earned? You know? I mean, let's just be honest here. Like, the Rams haven't been good since he's been in the league. 
a lot of people sure. that come to the games have come to games to see Aaron Donald. <laughs> you know, sure. like that's just the simple truth of the matter. So pay him in. It's crazy. Just uh, to make sure, uh, for those of you who aren't particularly interested in the salary cap, essentially the situation the Rams are looking at is this. Rams uh, have the option to re-sign them. they got first rights. Right now, Aaron Donald is uh, on the last year of his rookie contract, less than $2 million. He'll be on the fifth-year option. They've already exercised that right to uh, retain him next year, 2018, for less than $7 million. Uh, the problem is market value right now, as Myson alluded to, is somewhere around the $20 million or north range uh, annually. So between this year and next year, where the Rams have him for less than $9 million, he is essentially losing $31 million of, you know, free market value. And the question is, not necessarily are the Rams going to be able to make up $31 million. You can't do that. But, but right. you can offer him something to compensate him for that while locking him up beyond that. Over the cap had a good potential contract. If you go back and read it, Sosa posted it a couple weeks ago, where they do just that, where they, they try to bridge that gap between the $9 million that he's going to get and the more than $9 million that he deserves over the next two years, and it's worth going back to look at that. Uh, the other big story, obviously, in camp, Tremaine Johnson, man. This one was a little bit of a surprise. I didn't anticipate the the bluntness uh, with uh, <laughs> what he said, essentially coming out and saying, and I'm quoting Joe Curley here, quote, I believe the Rams are going in another direction after the season. It's out of my control, end quote. What do you think about True? You know what? I did not have a problem with it. I mean, at some point, you can only be pushed so far, right? <laughs> it's not like he hasn't been a team player. It's not like he hasn't done everything they've asked him to do. He's done everything. Publicly and privately. You know, he's, yeah, exactly. You know, he's, 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 he has the opportunity to leave for, honestly, a much better brand franchise with the Saints, you know, who really – really are cornerback and safety help away from being a really good defense, <laughs> you know? Could be. And he had, yeah. the opportunity, he had the opportunity to leave for that, but he, he chose not to. Like, the report came out, and he didn't even deny it that the deal would have went through if he would have been like, yeah, but he was like, no, I want to stay around. Like, you know, so he his loyalty has been there, and there's been no loyalty in return, and there's been a lot of, you know, just BS excuses. Like, how much can a person take, you know, before it's just like, screw it? Uh, and the weird that's thing my, is, that's how I look at it. Yeah, the weird thing was the suggestion was that he wouldn't even have been a Ram this year, were it not for Wade Phillips coming on board as defensive coordinator. And I think what what I don't understand is, you go back just two years ago at the combine, and and, and listen to what they said, what General Manager Les Snead said about priority resigning the secondary. I can't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if he was lying. Or if they're just 0 for 4, but clearly none of those guys was actually – but which one of those guys was priority A? Because T.J. McDonald, Rodney McLeod both walked in free agency, your safeties. You picked Trumaine Johnson over Janoris Jenkins, who went to the Giants and okay. had a Pro Bowl season. Wait. And, and now Truza hasn't re-signed. So which one of them? So here's the true story, you know, and that, this, is, this is what I got from a little source from the team, Okay. The true, true story Hollywood behind, story. Literally, yeah. literally true Hollywood story. This is the true story behind what happened with the signing of who was the top priority in the uh, secondary. Janoris Jenkins was priority number one. The problem is they lowballed him bad. <laughs> the deal they gave to Mark Barron was identical to the deal that they gave, that they offered Janoris Jenkins. Now, that's a slap in the face right there. <laughs> You're telling me that you know, I'm obviously with the priority A because I'm the first person you approach with a deal, but you're telling me that it's of equal value of what you're going to offer Mark Barron? Okay, Mark Barron's a decent player, but he's no he's no Janoris Jenkins. Let's be clear on this. <laughs> you know, Mark Barron, you know, he was in the secondary and was moved to linebacker because he wasn't cutting it there. So that alone tells you, yeah, you can't really say that it, you can't justify offering him that deal. So, yeah, Janoris Jenkins was priority A, but they lowballed him and wouldn't budge. <laughs> you know, they, they wouldn't budge at all. Obviously, Janoris Jenkins was right about his value because as soon as he hit the market, he cashed in. You know, 
the next the next option was then true. You know, if it wasn't going to be Janoris, they couldn't lose both. It was true. So since you put Rodney McLeod on the back burner, Rodney McLeod threw the deuces <laughs> because he was the third option. That's how that's how the secondary played out. It was completely mishandled because the truth of the matter is they could have re-signed both Janoris and Rodney and still gave True this franchise tag. They had the cap to do that. They could have let Mark Barron walk. It's not like he came and made some type of crazy impact for the team that year and then did something great last year. No, no, that wasn't the case. (laughs) You know, the highlight of his past two years was tearing Carson Palmer's ACL, which is a terrible thing to say, but that was probably the most the most camera time he got when they kept showing that replay. You know, he's not he's not a splash player. You know, he doesn't make splash plays. You know, he just makes a couple of hard hits every once in a while. So to lose to lose these players because you're not willing to kick over the cash, but then you're going to overpay this player. It's it's the worst handled situation I've I've ever seen. And to continue to make it so bad with Tremaine Johnson. It's mind blowing. <laughs> like you just paid this man thirty three million dollars, and you're telling him that he's not worth twelve million. You know, you paid him thirty three million dollars over two years, but he's not worth twelve million dollars a year. How idiotic is that? Like, <laughs> like what? That's so stupid. <laughs> you can't handle something worse than that. Like, I can't. I can't blame him for for just coming out and saying it. Like, how much more is he going to take? Mm-hmm. You know. I don't think he's sitting there put, saying that you guys want to resign me. You have to kick out fifteen million a year. That's not. I don't believe that's the case. It's it's one of those things where I wish, and part of it was because you know the St. Louis media just wasn't that embedded into really oh, holding yeah. the Rams accountable for what they were doing. Oh um, yeah, facts. Los Angeles ha- Los Angeles has been more so, but it's one of those things where we we really deserve better answers about. What if, if whatever priority A was, they needed to explain that better because clearly it failed. And Big secondly, <laughs> who, who was responsible? Because I have a hard time believing. We talked about this a little bit last week. I have a hard time believing yeah. it was a hundred percent on Jeff Fisher. I have a hard time believing it was majority Jeff Fisher in terms of this situation. Oh yeah, it's one of those things where you've got. Uh, whatever, you know, Kevin Demoff, Tony Pastors, Les Snead as general manager, some other people maybe tangentially involved. All of them are still involved. None of them got yeah. fired. Les Snead got a contract extension. And it's one of those things where, just like you talked about the idea of these contracts, when, you, when Aaron Donald's looking at people that are getting rewarded, not for things that they've actually done on the field to produce, what are they getting rewarded for? And it just seems like whether we're talking about the front office or roster management, the, the Rams as an organization are rewarding people either before or before it ever even happens, before these guys actually deliver what they're being paid for in the first place. You know, to me, it just seems like the Rams have a, a benchmark, so to say, as far as contracts go. You know, when it comes to the dollars, they are willing to kick out $40, 50000000 million, which is a lot of money. You know, that's a big contract, but not for everybody. It's not a big – some players yeah. are worth more than that, okay? Janoris Jenkins would be one of those and examples. And some are worth, worth less. More than that. <laughs> and exactly, some are worth less. But the problem is the Rams don't seem to want to go over or under that area. It's 40 to $50 million. That's where they're going to stay at. So no matter who the player is, somebody's getting 40 to $50 million. Whether you're worth that or worth more, it doesn't really matter that's where their benchmark is. And and I, I, I think that a lot of that has to follow Leslie's shoulder. I mean, I just don't know who else it could be. Like the the consistency of these terrible, terrible contract decisions. Like I said I said it uh last week, you know, um this this all isn't just started. This is something that's been going on for a while. You know, you look at yeah. the fact that they let a Joe Barksdale go and they haven't been able to figure out somebody to make the right side work since. You know, not that Rob Havenstein is bad, but he still hasn't played to the level that Joe Barksdale did. You know, Joe Barksdale is playing pretty damn good in San Diego right now. So and I, I would think that the Rams dropped the ball on that one. Truth be told, they lost Roger Saffold. A failed physical brought him back. So they dropped the ball on that one. You know, they 
went out and gave tape. Hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. They gave Nick Foles yep, a contract extension before he even touched the field. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, come on, man. This, it's so bad, the contracts. Like, it is the worst I've seen. And, and what makes it the worst I've seen is the longevity of it. It's consistent mm-hmm. every single year. It's been botched. Every year. <laughs> it is it's, it's mind-boggling to some degree how you can do this. You know, you can go inside a Jake Long who hasn't been healthy for two years and give him $36, 38000000 million. Like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, where do they do that? <laughs> you know, like, what what world is that from? A guy that hasn't been healthy for two years is just going to drop all this guaranteed money in his lap? Come on now. So it, this is nothing new. This is this is too frequent for me to say that it was Jeff Fisher because it's still happening and Jeff Fisher's gold. I definitely would have to say that it's probably Les Snead. Les Snead can find the talent. He doesn't know how to keep the talent. And the Tavon Austin one, I think, is the one that, you know, last year was already risky. Now, not not just in retrospect in terms of how he played, but because of where we're at with Aaron Donald, it it, it it's the hypocrisy, right? Every every reason that you can argue to either play hardball or wait on Aaron Donald or try, try to frame it as being financially responsible clearly didn't matter a year ago. And, and so no. if you can if you can sign Tavon Austin to a six-year, $56 million deal with $30 million guaranteed when he's going into his fourth professional year, there's nothing that you can say to justify not getting a deal done with Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's been yep. better in every possible aspect. And, and to give Buddy. Tavon Austin a deal and struggle to get there with Aaron Donald, it just it's a, it, it screams hypocrisy and an incapability, man, a lack of quality in the front office. And like you said, because it's been so long going, my, my worry is that this isn't getting fixed. No. The fact that, the fact that this can keep happening. And, you know, it's, it's, like, it's almost like they don't really acknowledge it. You know, it's like seeing a, seeing a glass of milk spill and then just be like, ah, well, <laughs> you know, who cares if the carpet smells like spoiled milk? <laughs> you know, just let it sit there anyway. It's like they don't acknowledge it whatsoever. And it's, it's so confusing to me how you can sit there and watch a house burn and not go get a cup of water. That's like that, and that's, that's, what they, that's what they continue to do. It's, it's, it's just mind-boggling. Uh, disappointing. Let's see how far are we into this show. About twenty minutes. Let's get to something to make me feel better, man. Because this is just—it's exhausting it's on multiple fronts. <laughs> it is. Um, we got we got Sean McVay in town. He's you know bringing some livelihood. He's running around defending guys himself. I saw him running with Todd Gurley the other day. Uh, right. There's an energy there that I think people are excited to see today. Obviously, we're recording this on Monday. We're three practices deep into training camp. What, what do you feel about Sean McVay and the way he's run camp to this point, the way he holds himself? What do you think? You know what? I like it. You know, I love the way he's involved. Um, one thing I like about him getting out there and running routes and being in the huddle and things like that, he's on the field participating, which honestly I can't really think of a, a, an example of where someone else did this, where they're, participating in practice coaches don't usually participate you know but I like it because I think what it does is it um it gives him the opportunity to show them exactly how it's done you know exactly how he wants it so it's almost like there's no excuse to get it wrong you know because he's he's showing you physically showing you exact like I can't think of any coach that's ever physically shown the players how I want this play to look you know, um, Jared Goff was talking about it in one of his uh, press conferences, saying that the the best part about ha- you know if you if you're gonna find the positive in it, that the best part of having him in the huddle, like literally coming into the huddle with them, and when they break going to line up with them, is that he literally breaks it down piece by piece for what you want. And it's so, you know, they you've heard people talk about how detailed he is, but I think now that camp has started and he, he's doing these things we're really starting to see just how serious it is, like how detailed he really is, that, you know, he's showing them exactly where his depth should be and, you know, how the timing is supposed to be on this one. And, you know, if, if Todd is breaking out of here, this is how you're going to get upfield without uh, avoiding the linebacker's angles. Like, 
he's out there actually giving them all the knowledge they need to succeed, which I think is pretty cool. Like that's that's a that's a new way of coaching that you know you just don't see in the NFL. And honestly, I don't think I ever would have thought to, that I would have seen in the at the NFL level. The coaches they don't do that, <laughs> you know. It just doesn't happen. So I'm okay with it. You know, that, 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 I think some people probably look at it like, oh, he's just out there having fun. He's he's making his practice too light, but I think he's taking it very serious, and that's the reason that he's out there being so involved. I think I think I got two things for you. One, I, I'd pay to see Wade Phillips cover Tavon Austin. I pay, I'd drop a twenty on that. Hell I'd yeah. See Wade Phillips play cornerback. Hell yeah! Come on, Grandpa. You know you got Grandpa Wade out there. Breaking down, I want to see hey, it. That's number one. Number Wade two, might surprise some people. <laughs> he might. He's, <laughs> he's deep. He's deep on those those cover routes. Uh, yeah, the other is ESPN's Alden. <laughs> <laughs> the other is uh, ESPN's Alden Gonzalez wrote on um, Twitter tweet of the night. The Rams are in pads tomorrow. No word on whether Sean McVay will also be in pads. Joke of the night goes Alden Gonzalez. <laughs> um, we'll have to see, man. I like the energy. I like uh, we're hitting hitting a lot of high points on. You know, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tavon Austin, Josh Reynolds, uh, a lot of those guys. Here's one we didn't really have planned for. It just broke at uh, the press conference not too long ago. Sean McVay confirms that the second running back, your favorite uh, roster battle we talked about a lot, the backup running spot, right now it's been established that Malcolm Brown is the backup running back. What do you think about that? (laughs) You know what? I think it's awesome because what were we talking about, you know, two weeks ago as far as the running back position goes? I said I'm not sold that Lance Dunbar is gonna get it, <laughs> and it's yeah. looking like that's a good that's a good way of thinking. Like it's just it's well, and he's been unavailable. Lance has been unavailable to practice, so there's no way you can't win a job if you can't practice. Yeah, as they say, you can't make the club in the tub. You know, if you're sitting in the cold you tub, you're probably not gonna make the club. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I personally I personally think that this this back of running back job battle is going to be uh, very intense throughout camp. Um, do, does Michael Malcolm Brown have a stranglehold on it? No, but I think he's a, I think he's a hell of a candidate to, to land it, you know, <laughs> especially if he can prove um, capable of coming out of the backfield and running good routes, which is something that Sean McVay likes to do with the running backs. You know, if, if that's a part of his game that he can show that he's, you know, developed enough of, I don't see any reason why he can't win it, <laughs> you know. So it, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to keep watching. Right now we're off we're off to a good start. Just having Sean McVay even throw his name out there. Sean McVay has been throwing some nuggets this offseason, hasn't he? <laughs> He's been saying like some stuff in these press conferences. <laughs> he doesn't have none to lose. So. Yeah, none <laughs> to lose. None to lose. Most, I kind of like I most dangerous like man in the world. On, I like how he's been on uh, Gerald Everett's back about the uh, the comment of that Gerald Everett feels that they can be, can be better than – yeah, and he's just – he's got kind of giving him a hard time about it. I, I, I like that. You know, I like that he's kind of picking on him a little bit. You know, it shows that, you know, all you hear about is how serious he takes it, but it shows that he has fun with fun with the guys, but he's also conscious enough that, you know, I got to protect my young players from saying stuff that's going to make them targets because that is definitely going to make – two very young tight ends targets on the field when you go out and say that. So, you know, you can catch a league by surprise by just shutting up. You go out and make claims like that and you've never played it down, you are officially a wanted man. <laughs> Guys are going to test you, you know. So I like that he was kind of protecting his players but then also having fun with it as well. Sean McVay is also a good start in my book. Speaking of good start, man, you got up here. Are the Rams poised for a fast start? What made you What made you ask that? What had you thinking about that? So, I mean, look at the schedule, man. It's like you got Andrew Luck, whose shoulder looks like complete shit. Like he's not in a good place right now. You know, he's on um, the pup. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he's just not in a good place right now. I don't I don't think even with um, even with a healthy Andrew Luck. I mean, the last two times the Rams, the Rams have played um, the Colts. It's been good, <laughs> um, even even with Andrew Luck. You know, in fact, it was a blowout. <laughs> what was that? Uh, two three years ago, where Tavon just went off. That was like his coming out party. Yep. You know, and that was with Andrew Luck there. You know, so 
I'm not crazy that, about the idea of the Colts winning. Now, let me pause for a sec before I continue, before anyone gets the wrong idea. Say, oh, Myson said, I'm not saying the Rams are about to come out and win 10 games. That's not what I said. <laughs> I said fast start. 12 games. Then, you said 12 <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, you heard Myson say they're going to go to the Super Bowl. No, the hell I didn't. <laughs> I still am a believer that it's going to be a long year, but kind of similar to uh, last year, you know, where they start off 3-1, and one, I think that that's a possibility. I think the games would be um, – I think the games would be more exciting, I guess to say. Yeah. You wouldn't have a 9-3 to three victory or, you know, over the uh, uh, Seahawks. I don't think that that's going to be the case again where the, the scores are just so low, the offense isn't moving the ball. I personally expect the offense to be drastically improved. I've said this over and over this offseason. I expect Jared Goff to be drastically improved. Do I expect him to be an MVP player or a pro bowler? No. But then again, when you are as bad as he is, improving isn't hard, <laughs> you know. But I do expect to see just improvement across the board for this offense. And because of that, I, I think the scores are going to be better. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Rams could, you know, start off decent. I think that um, as a new coach, though, that as a new head coach, that's going to play a huge role in it, you know, because um, you get to take teams by surprise. Even though they've, you know, they've had time to watch Washington and uh, how they played, and everyone knows all of that and that story. This is the first time where he's running a team, so things are going to be different from Washington. You're going to have nuggets from Washington, but it's not going to be a clone of Washington, you know. So you get to take the league by surprise those first that first month of the season. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams started off three and one. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they started off three and zero and then lose to the Cowboys. Wouldn't shock me. But after the, after that, things get a little yeah. tough. <laughs> the, the only things thing that would, that would shock, yeah, the only thing that would shock me about it, it, it depends on how we get there. The the part about going three and one last year was how it happened, and we were saying, I was saying yeah. at the time, it's not sustainable because it was essentially they were getting lucky. They were taking advantage of every single little you know opportunity they had. You can't, you know, you go through a streak where yeah, you can you can hit six fifty over 15, 20 at-bats, you can't do that over the course of two months. Eventually, those numbers catch up with you, and that's what happened at 3-1. and one. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised at 3-0. and oh. I think the difference is like what you talked about, the idea that it should be more exciting, there should be more competency. If yeah. Andrew Whitworth can stay healthy, we should have a better offensive line, which allows you to run more successful offensive schemes. And if we get to 3-0, and oh, the only thing I worry that I'm going to be shocked by is that it, it's going to – if, if it happens, it's going to likely look less flukish. It's going to look like the kind of 3-0 and where you can point to things and say, well, look, if they're playing this way, there's no way they exactly. can't do that. The, the, the difference was last year when we went 3-1, and we were getting one red zone trip and getting a touchdown out of it. You, you don't get 100% red zone touchdown completion rate, you know, the, week to week to week. That just doesn't happen. Right. And so once that, once that fell off, the win started. You, I mean, you can win one game nine to three. You can't win three of them nine to three. That just doesn't happen. Um, the, and part of it is the, the strength of the opponent. You got Indianapolis and San Francisco in those first three. The San Francisco's a road game, so I could see us. I, I get the idea of a fast start. I get the opportunity is there. It's just one of those things where it's a it's a new era. And if we start doing things the right way, I'm I'm more prepared to do things the right way and lose. Like you said, it feels like a long season. But I, yeah. if I'm betting, it's a long season that I feel a lot better about, and one that I think I'm going to be feel better about when it's over than right now because, and this is just me, I'm betting so heavily into the coaching staff that things are going to get better the more time they have. We're sitting here right now. There's about 40 days between now and the first game of the season. So between now and week one, there's 40 days. There's another 140 days between week one and week 17. So there's more than yeah. three times as much time in the season for the coaches to train these guys up and to, to adjust the playbook and to adjust, you know, uh, package routes and those kind of things so that they can find different areas of weaknesses of their opponents to attack and then find out, okay, well, what do we do well? What is it that Gerald Everett actually does well at this point in his career? What does T T Tyler Hickby do well? What does Robert Woods do well? And then find those things out over the, when you've got 100-something days versus having only 40 days 
and you're trying to figure all of this out at once and do it with all these guys at the back end of a 90-man roster. So that, you know, if you're a wide receiver coach, by the time you get to the you know, week one, we're probably going to have six, maybe seven guys on the roster. Right now you've got almost a dozen. And so you're going to have – you've got so much time you've got to work through. When we start getting close to the, to the preseason, that's coming up in two weeks, Mason. You know, the Cowboys, August 12th, uh, two Saturdays from now. You, you, yeah. You've got to have a second-half game plan. So you've got to figure out what you're doing with Paul McRoberts and what you're doing with Brandon Shippen and all these guys. When you get to week one, you don't got to worry about that. You've got to worry about Robert Woods. You've got to worry about Taylor Austin. You've got to worry about Cooper Cup. And then a little bit of wrinkle, depending on, you know, we'll get there when we get there, the 53-man in the depth chart. But for the most part, that's what you're worried about. Right now, they've got to worry about so much other stuff that, that I, I, even if we get a fast start, I have a feeling I'm going to feel much, uh, much more comfortable about the direction of the team in December than I do in September. But I'll be I'll oh, a yeah. bias. It's just because I'm buying into the coaching staff. No, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Um, no, I, you, you won't hear me disagree with that. I just think that the, uh, the way things are shaping up, you know, the 49ers quarterback situation is pure crap. Um, Colts quarterback situation is pure crap. <laughs> the Redskins lost a ton. I just think that there's a possibility. And then, you know, you, you also add in the fact that both those games are our, on our home games to start the season. You know, you start the season with two home games, which means the Rams will not have had the chance to suck to run off 90,000 fans. So the stadium will be packed and it will be rocking, which will work in their favor. Like, I'm not – I'm not putting it past the possibility, the realm of possibility that it could happen that the Rams could start three and zero. Now, if you really want, if you really want to uh, make it feel like the first preseason game is very close, instead of two Saturdays away, next week. How about that? <laughs> next week you have your first uh, live football. So that, that that tells you how close it really is. Like it's a uh, football season is here, so we'll see. Speaking of which. Uh, your boy Tavon Austin, you know, we talked about his contract. Um, where it is, Tavon Austin came out the gate swinging the first day of practice. Um, he came, he was a man on a mission. So he looked, he was catching contested balls, and uh, he was Jared Goff was finding him, which is, I got to say, that was the most, uh, that was probably the, the, the most pleasure of all the reports that I had was hearing Jared Goff was finding Tavon Austin because they haven't worked together for real. You know, they haven't – this offseason, you know, they haven't had the opportunity to get that timing down. They sure as hell didn't have the opportunity in the seven games last year because he came in the middle of the season. Jerry Goff was like a deer with his head – a chicken with his head cut off. You know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was too much going on. They didn't get the opportunity to even work on timing and, you know, getting some sort of chemistry. But, you know, they say that he was finding him, and uh, I know that he broke the – the, he reversed field and broke the long run for the touchdown untouched. Like, nobody could touch him. He just shook the whole defense. I was like, okay. So, it sounds like sounds like uh, Tavon Austin is, you know, really focused right now. Now, I'm hoping that it can – and let me, let me be perfectly clear. I'm not in any way saying that I'm surprised that he's working hard. Tavon Austin has never been accused of not being a hard worker. The, the kid works. Sure. <laughs> it's just that he, he busts his butt. You know, he, he's going to work hard. He's tough as nails, especially, you know, you look at his size, you just don't expect him to be as gritty as he, he does work. It's just that it hasn't always uh, resulted in consistent production. I'm not going to say production because he's produced. You just need consistent production. But uh, it, seems like he, it seems like he's really, really focused. So I'm interested in seeing how that's going to carry on. I know this was a storyline that, you know, when you asked me about it two weeks ago, was something I was looking at. Was, how's Tavon Austin going to come back from this uh, wrist injury? And, so far, it yep. looks good. We'll, you know, it's still very early. Pants haven't gotten on yet, so we'll see. Yeah, but I think he's, uh, he's off to a good start. Yeah, you get, when you got everybody just in jerseys and, and cleats, Tavon Austin's exactly the kind of player I would think would benefit from that kind of practice. You get, you get people in pads. Exactly. That's where, it, that's where I expect to see Josh Reynolds, Paul McRoberts, your boy, start to show up. Those are the kind of guys that would uh, hopefully benefit from that change. We'll have to see. Uh, we got some listener questions, man. Why don't you pull up the stuff from Twitter? Uh, I'll grab the Facebook ones. I got these up already. We'll start with a very serious one. Um, you're going to have to buckle in. <laughs> this is the uh, X's and O's that we bring you on Churchill Radio from Sean Faye. Is it true that Brandon Bate wears berets? Now, here's the thing. Bate lives out here in the D.C. area with me, so I have hung out with him many times. Uh, I have a keen sense of his, uh, 
uh, fashion readiness. Um, berets are not included uh, in the closet of Brandon Bate, as far as I know. Now, I think the other thing is we have not been in many beret-ready situations, so he may have one pocketed. He may have a ninja beret at the ready that I'm not aware of. Uh, but as he will tell you, my fashion sense is very old school. I literally show up to the bar in a suit because that's what I wear to work. So I am hardly one to mock Brandon Bates' fashion sense. What's your go-to look, man? What's your go-to look? You're hitting a happy hour. You're coming out of work. What's the what's the mice and outfit, as the kids say? Oh, man. Go-to look? I'm probably in a polo and some oh, – well, wait. I'm coming from work. <laughs> If I'm coming from work, either or, long either day, or. I am in I'm in a T-shirt with some Jordan basketball shorts and flip flops. <laughs> that's damn, that's man. what I'm in. <laughs> that is what I'm in. Hey, look, I may have may I may have hung up the cleats, but the athlete is still in me. That is the prototype athlete outfit. <laughs> that's what you wear. That's what you wear, no matter where you're going, especially after a long day. So, yeah, I can't help it. What's yours? That's a bit. That's a bit. The Jordans and a, a Jordan shorts and the flip flops is a very Brandon Bate outfit. You may be the beret wearer. We may have to turn the camera around, man. We may figure yeah, out man. something I wasn't prepared Mind for. So thanks for showing. <laughs> Do it. Mind your business. <laughs> there you go. I feel you. Scale of one to ten, that's uh, Sean Faye. Uh, for what it's worth, I was rocking the polo yesterday, so no hatred there. Uh, other posts we have, Garrett Mickelson. Is this on Apple Podcast? If it isn't, it should be. I'll double-check, Garrett. Pretty sure it's up there. I'll try to hit you up with the link for uh, this episode. Scott D. Filippo, I hope I said that right. Does this dress make my butt look big? Man, we got all the serious questions this week. It's, you, can tell, you can tell we're just getting to training camp. It's been three months in between some action. We got a – Scott, you know, it's not the dress, man. It's just you. And we appreciate readers of all shapes and sizes. Sean Fay again, on a scale of one to ten, potato of uh, what we're talking about food-wise. I am a food lover. I eat almost. I eat food almost every day, Myson. It's true. Um, what are your wow. feelings about potatoes? I was talking to Bate about this the other day. I think I think I think potatoes are wonderful. They're incredibly versatile. But I think potatoes oftentimes uh, all they are is a vehicle for better things on them. Whether it's a baked potato or like a good. Uh, potato cake, if you've ever had a fried potato cake, different cultures do that. But generally, it's what you put on top that's a star. What's my son's official line on potatoes? I mean, who the hell doesn't like French fries? But potato cake... My daughter. What? My daughter doesn't <laughs> like French fries, man. What have you done to that child? <laughs> I know. I feel. I, sometimes what I feel bad. When she doesn't like... <laughs> what's funny is she she says, oh, I don't like French fries. And instead of me being like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, oh, what's wrong with me? What did I do? Yeah, you 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 need to start over. You need to just go to her and be like, "Look, darling, we're gonna start this whole parenting thing over. I have failed you, and I need to get this back on track. <laughs> How can you not like French fries? <laughs> no, uh, fries is I like French fries, and I don't know. I like breakfast potatoes. If you could make some good breakfast potatoes, we're like best friends. Oh yeah, and hash browns. But other than hash that, browns, I love a good hash. Yeah, other than that, I don't know. I don't eat baked potatoes anymore. I just stopped liking them one day. I woke up and was like, screw that. So I don't know. Because <laughs> baked potatoes are good. It's the stuff that you put on them that's good. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just a potato. You know, it's, there's nothing special about it. It's not like a fry or nothing. It's just a potato. So, yeah, got to be. That's just the thing. If you, if, you, if you put a bunch of bacon and cheese on a baked potato, yeah, it's good. You know why? Because bacon and cheese is good, man. You put bacon and cheese on bacon damn anything, it's good. Everything to the next level. It's like bacon and cheese is one of those unstoppable combos. You know, I, you gotta wonder that, what the hell made somebody say one day, "I'm gonna take this bacon and this cheese and put it on a burger." Like somebody was a genius for that. <laughs> they complete. They revolutionized the world <laughs> when they came up with that. <laughs> we need a. We need a. What is it? Nobel Prize Lifetime Achievement Award. Exactly. For whoever. <laughs> decided to combine to make the bacon cheeseburger completely great. We got to do more food talk. We got to get beyond potatoes moving forward. You didn't mention the mashed. Are you not a fan of the mashed? Okay. I'm only a fan of certain mash. For one, I hate that okay. nonsense with the skin in it. What is that? Oh, <laughs> that. That's a direct shot at bait. That's a direct <laughs> shot at bait. Oh, I guarantee Good. you he's going to be living with this one. Good. Shots fired. I hope it hurt. Like, <laughs> who 
Who the hell wants skin in their potatoes? No, absolutely not. I don't like the chunky potatoes either. I like the smooth, creamy, well-whipped potatoes. None of that box yeah, crap. <laughs> Give me the no, real no, no, potatoes. No, no. <laughs> None of that box the, crap. Give me the real real potatoes. The, the thing that's funny is the whole reason that boxed potatoes were created was we used to have a food distribution system where the box was cheaper than the potatoes. Now it's reached a point where they're the same price. The only, th- the only thing that separates you from real potatoes and boxed potatoes is about 20 minutes of your time. And if you're telling me it's worth, what are you, what are you gonna do with your 20 minutes that you can't make mashed potatoes that you can make spuds? Get 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 out! Your 20 <laughs> minutes are not that valuable, man. Go mash your damn potatoes. All right, enough about potato talk. We'll get on to some other food talk next time. Good stuff. Um, what do we got on the tour side? Please tell me nothing about potatoes. I'm done with potatoes for the night. <laughs> <laughs> nothing about potatoes. No. Uh, let's see. I'm, you know, I'm actually, you guys got to start throwing me more questions. These are the same, pretty much the same stuff that we've had. Do, do, do. You got to think. We got to hit them up uh, a little harder. The book. The book. Which book? You said the, the book of all books, the book of the faces. What's that? That's what am I? What am I missing here? Oh, <laughs> Facebook. Facebook, man! You can't play <laughs> jokes. I'm like, what the? Hell? I thought I'm like, is Mason talking about the Bible? What the hell are we talking about, man? The book, <laughs> the book of all books, the book of faces. That is the Facebook. See, well, that's that's where we're at now. The book of all books used to mean something quite different. Now it means the Facebook. No, we'll get we'll get more into it with people, and we'll get on Eddie to get some stuff from Instagram too especially now that we're at training camp and people are seeing these guys up close, they're starting to get a look at, you know, different positions and different units and figure out how we feel about some of these guys. Because before it was all hypothetical, you know, how Kayvon Webster is going to slide in, how Tremaine Johnson is going to look under Wade Phillips. We were talking about that. Nikhil Roby Coleman. So you had all these different looks in the cornerback unit. Now tomorrow they're putting on pads. So by the next, by the time we get to some questions next week, I have a feeling we're going to be inundated with quite a bit more. Here's a question for yeah. you. If you could pick two defensive backs, and I don't care who it could be, it could be Jermaine Johnson if you want. If you could pick two defensive backs as, to, uh, as possible candidates to really surprise and just take over, or even just not even take over, just really shine in camp, who would it be? In camp? Um, yeah. I'll take Lamarcus Joyner because he's got a great blend of you know, aggressive physicality, but also kind of that soft athleticism where he can kind of backpedal and work in the coverage. Now I think the key there is how do they want to use him? If they put him all the way back at safety, you're, you're going to see somebody on run plays who's exploding downhill, just like TJ McDonald did, but able to sit back and maybe play some center field. I think that's one of the things that can really benefit him. If you put him in the slot, that's where he's going to have to work a lot harder just to negate, you know, bigger plays, but might have to give some stuff up in front of him. You know, when it's third and eight, you give up a five-yard pass. Uh, but if, you, if you've got him playing back there where that's not his to defend and he can either just attack the run or sit back on the deeper passes, that's something where I could see him really uh, excelling as long as they stick him back at safety. The other one, if, if we're just taking in terms of who's going to shine in camp, I've got to go with True only because he's the guy with the size and the technique, um, which is it's going to be real uncomfortable. If he's the guy that looks like, you know, it, it, nothing against Kayvon Webster. I like having him on the team. There's a reason right. why he wasn't one of the top two cornerbacks in Denver. Truman right. Johnson is the kind of guy that would three. fit that mold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and Truman Johnson is the kind of guy that fits that mold, where he's the guy that you need starting on the field, and there's a reason. And so if he's a guy that through camp and through the preseason is, you know, when he lines up against Des Bryant, assumedly, week one of the preseason, if he has a good showing, that's the kind of thing where it's going to start to get real uncomfortable given his comments this week about the idea that he may not be in the Rams' long-term plans. Because if not, I don't know that there is a solution on the roster for somebody who can fill that spot the next two, three years. I mean, when you make those comments, I think at this point the relationship can't be fixed unless you pay him what you've been paying him the past two years, which is $16.5 million a year. (laughs) (laughs) So, in other words, he's right. He's gone. You know, when whenever the player says that, you know, he's reached his limit, the, the walls have been broken down, it's over. So it's been real, but Tremaine Johnson, I wish you the best. 
just not against the Rams in the future. <laughs> but there I you go. You Over in the AFC. <laughs> Switch conferences, and we wish you the best. Let me ask you this. Let me flip it around on you. You sent me two members of the secondary. Give me, two, give me two wide receivers you think people will feel oh. real good about as we get into August. Two wide receivers. Uh, I'm gonna dig. I'm gonna dig deep. I'm not even gonna say Mike Thomas. <laughs> I think everyone knows I like Mike Thomas. I'm not even gonna say Mike You're Thomas. I will say a surprise guy to make the roster, Paul McRoberts. I'm gonna say you love Paul McRoberts. Too. That's who I, I thought. That's who I thought of first before Mike Thomas. You love some Paul McRoberts too. It's not even that I love Paul McRoberts. I just think, you know, he's slow. You know, he's slow. He's kind of lanky. But I just think that he has that uh, that natural possession receiver skill about him, you know, where I think he could develop into a, a, a good possession receiver. You know, I think he's going to surprise. I think he's going to, yeah, he, you know, he's, he's 6'2", 6'3", 202 pounds, you know. But I think he's going to uh, surprise some people in camp, you know, and, become a, a, a solid possession receiver, somebody that's probably going to steal that last spot. And if the Rams keep seven receivers, I think it's probably going to be him, you know, sliding in there. Uh, again, we, like I said be, before, Mike Thomas is suspended, so they don't even have to make the decision on him. So that really opens up a spot. Technically, the Rams are going to have walk around with eight receivers. Just one of them won't count for four weeks, <laughs> you know. But So that, that really opens up another spot. And then the other receiver I will say – would be uh, who? Would, who do you say who we're gonna feel comfortable, really good about? Um, I mean, I have to. I guess I have to say uh, Robert Woods. Um, I, I know a lot of people was like, say Cooper Cup. Here's why I say of Robert. I was gonna say it's either Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. Yeah. Here's why I say Robert Woods over Cooper Cup. Um, I wasn't crazy about the Robert Woods signing. Still not crazy about it. But Robert Woods, if anything, if there's anything that you can say about him, he is a pro. You know, uh, that's been his reputation since he was coming out of USC, how professional he is, how serious he takes his job. You know, he, he goes out there and he's a perfectionist. He really works on his craft. Um, when you add all that into the the fact that he and Jared Goff have put in some serious time to get down some chemistry, some timing and stuff since the day he signed, you know, they say that he signed and then that same week he was already on the field with Jared Goff. You know, so <laughs> – so he's he's put in he's put in the work you know um, to really really and that's not saying Cooper Cup hasn't the difference is Cooper Cup hasn't been around as long to put in as much work as he's put in um, he's put in a lot of work with Jared Goff and they didn't they didn't bring him in you know there's somebody that they've talked about a lot is Robert Woods they didn't bring him in to be behind Cooper Cup. That's just the simple truth of the matter. So I think he's going to take advantage of all these reps and working with uh, the, t- the top unit. He's going to take advantage of all these reps. He's going to t- continue to be a pro's pro. And I think he's really going to shine this camp. I think he's going to have a really good camp. And um, hopefully that translates over into the season. You know, we're talking about camp right now. People were not saying they're about to go out there and kill it in the season. <laughs> hopefully they do, though. But I think Paul McRoberts and, um, and Robert Woods are going to have some really good camps for the receivers. Excited to get into it. What else you got? Um, looking into this week, we got a couple practices. Uh, Rams have. Let me pull it up. I believe it's Thursday off. Let me go ahead and look at this schedule so I don't get. I don't want to send anybody down to UC Irvine and they're sitting there by themselves, rooting on the silence. It is Thursday off, so Rams got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then Friday, uh, and then on Saturday, August fifth is when they will head to. Uh, the StubHub Center to take on the Chargers as part of their training camp. Uh, then come back on Sunday, Monday, day off on Tuesday, and then Wednesday of next week will be uh, the scrimmage between the Rams and the Chargers uh, on our turf uh, as part of our training camp. So that's what we're looking at for the next week and a half. No preseason action, just those two scrimmages over the next 10 days. So I think we've got a good little opportunity to see some guys in limited, isolated yeah. work get to those scrimmages, hopefully know it. We've been incredibly fortunate to this point, man. You see people going down to uh, Keith Marshall, running back for yeah. Washington. He's already gone for the season. Uh, you talked about they Andrew Luxhurst. They said John Connor had a hell of a practice the first day in pads. Said he went in there, blitz pickup was flawless, just absolutely killing it, impressed a lot of people. At the end of practice, his shoulder is hurt, so he's not even practicing today. So, that just goes to show you, <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's that time of year, you know, when those pads come on, that's when the injuries started coming up. So 
Rams are in pads tomorrow, right? What, hey, whatever, whatever, whatever you do, whether you cross your fingers, light candles, I don't get, I don't give a damn. Sacrifice a bat, I don't care, man. Whatever you, you do, do it. So, so we, so we get healthy all the way through, uh, at least till next Monday, and uh, we'll get back on it then, man, and talk about what we got. Get some more questions in there and see where we're at in a week. Start getting ready for the preseason. There you have it again. First preseason game next week. Let that sink in, folks. <laughs> next week. You made it, man. 3K, Myson, holler at us on Twitter. Uh, Mighty or Mason. Myson, that's M I G H T Y O R M I S O N E. Or holler at your boy, 3K underscore. Y'all know what to do. Get at us. Go, Rams.
No skins on the mashed potatoes. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.